0: Okay, praise the Lord. Let's uh, let's start here. We, we, we covered Hebrews chapter 7 uh, last time. Now we're going to chapter 8. Now, I want to remind you that uh, this book of Hebrews would have just been given to, you know, a synagogue. Okay, and then you would take that letter, either if it was letter, supposedly it could have been Paul, but it could have been Apollos or well, one of those. You know, doesn't matter. And uh, could have been Timothy for that matter. But anyway, whoever. And... That would have been all they had other than if it was at a synagogue, they had all the Old Testament. You know, they just, they just had the books of the Old Testament. But the New Testament, they would have just have heard about Jesus and what had happened and hearsay. I mean, the people that were actually there, probably some of them were still living, you know, that had seen Jesus. But what I wanted you to see out of this is in the book of Hebrews, if it was so important that the mistakes that you had made in your life just, oh... My goodness, that just gets you kicked out of the church when well, we 're just talking about sin or whatever that 's just not true. You have a high priest. I want to jump ahead here to uh, just to chapter twelve because I want to show you there 's no reference here toward uh, oh my goodness you have you have committed some terrible little sin, whatever you may want to call it okay and uh, oh and, and uh, but it 's just not there it 's just not there and when you read the Bible for yourself, you can uh, you know you see these things oh. And that's why I encourage you, always keep a steady flow of of God's Word. going. You know, you can take the book of Philippians, and the book of Philippians is not going to scare you. You can read the book of Revelations, and the book of Revelations is not going to scare you. Unless you want to jump in chapter 13 and just read that and go, oh my goodness, the end of the world. Why don't you read chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and then get 13, and then you'll go, wow, Jesus is going to keep me safe. He will. But anyway, look at this. This is Hebrews chapter 12, and uh, uh, verse 1. He says, uh, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. <coughs> in other words, a lot of people are watching. Probably in the grandstands of heaven more like. Look at this. Let us lay aside every weight and the, oh my gosh, the sin. Yeah. Which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. You just mentioned somebody has sinned. Well, yeah, I did. Well, yeah, but Richard, that, that's going to, you know, Jesus hates you now. Jesus doesn't hate you. How many have ever heard, or heard of this verse? Looking unto Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of our faith. Oh, I've heard that. Well, why didn't you know this one? Lack of reading your Bible. You got to read your Bible, saints. Watch this. Seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the sin which doth every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In other words, you know there are some things in your life. Let's say a sin that you just keep tripping over. You just keep tripping over. But guess what? You have a high priest. He's there to help you. But anyway, that's I, I mean, look at this stuff. As this a matter of fact, we go a little further here. He says, "...looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners." In other words, everybody said, "...crucify Him, crucify Him." You know, He's dying for them. "...lest you be wearied and faint in your minds." Notice this, "...you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin." Well, now, wait a minute. Ain't no, there's not supposed to be no sin in the church. Oh, come on. We blow, we blow it all the time. And God's just trying to help us to overcome sin. But he never says, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, you have blown it. You are in so much trouble. No, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. You have a high priest. So let's go to the seventh chapter again, the very last verse, and then we'll go right to the eighth chapter. Oh, let's take it uh, actually from uh, verse uh, 26. For such a high priest uh, became us, uh, who is holy and harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Now well, let's put this in the King. I mean, in the Living Bible. Just a moment. Here we go. Because uh, <clears throat> it just sounds like only a preacher would know what he's saying right there, and I don't like doing that. Verse 26. He is therefore exactly the kind of high priest we need. This is Hebrews 7, verse 26. For now, notice it says, "I need a high priest today." Well, what do you need a high priest for? <laughs> Well, hello, I'm probably going to blow it. I'm probably going to need some help from God. Whether I blow it or not, I still need His help. And I have a high priest. It just reminds me, and I'll never will stop saying this. Hannah came to the church, shall we say, to the high priest, which was Eli. She was childless. She could have no kids, and it broke her heart. And she was crying outside the church. Eli thought, you're drunk. And I've told this a million times, but I don't want us to ever forget it. Because when I get to the question about what she named that child, I want you to be able to say, I'll tell you what his name is. Hint, his name's Sam, okay. But hint, what does Sam mean? It means asked of God. It's just like it was a no-brainer to Hannah. How many people you know named Hannah? How many people you know named Sam? That's just where the heritage comes back to this. But anyway, he says to Hannah, he says, you need to go away, go drink somewhere else. And she says, no, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just sorrow of heart. And Eli, what does he do as a high priest? This is your high priest talking to you. Just say, you're Hannah. Just tell God what your problem is. She looked at Eli and said, I have no child. I am barren. Eli, the high priest, says, hold on a minute. Let me ask God if it's okay. No, Eli never says that. He says, the Lord grant you your petition. And he was criminal as far as a high priest. His sons were bringing in prostitutes into the temple. Oh, it was terrible. They were stealing the offerings that were coming from the people. They were only supposed to get so much of the meat. And these two sons were taking all of the meat. It was horrible. And they were priests. But I tell you what, this priest knew what he was supposed to do before God. And it was, the Lord grant you your petition. And it happened. And she had that little child named Samuel. Which means the scripture says, you don't even have to look it up. It says in the verse, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Asked of God. Wow. Praise the Lord. And that wasn't the only child she had. She had a bucket load of kids. I mean a bunch of kids. I think it was about 10 or 11. Anyway, he is exactly the kind of high priest we need. Thank God you've got a high priest too. For he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin, undefiled by sinners. And you know what? He's your best friend. He's perfect. He's not like, well... I, I can't go before God because I need somebody to represent me too. no he's perfect all right. He never needs needs the daily blood of animal sacrifices as the other priests did to cover over his over their own sins and then the sins of the people. for he uh, finished all sacrifices once and for all when he sacrificed himself on the cross. ladies and men alike, if you have a tattoo or or you keep a little uh, uh like there's one there's a cross right here or a necklace with a cross that is a good thing to have. It's a good thing to know what that means when you see a cross. When you see a cross, it's Jesus made a way for you to have access to heaven and all heaven's got to offer for you. Verse 28, Underneath the old system, even the high priests were weak and sinful men who could not keep from doing wrong. But later on, God appointed by His oath His Son who is perfect forever. Now remember about the oath? The oath was, I swear. So God swore... Now, when you swear, that means you swear by God. God just swore by himself. When you swear, you just invoke somebody to make you keep this promise. So don't ever think God will ever change his promise. He's not. So here we go, the eighth chapter. What, are, what we are saying is this. Christ, whose priesthood we have just described, is our high priest. Now, you want to remember this. He is our high priest. Don't ever think Jesus is just bored up there waiting until he decides, I'm going to come get y'all. I'm ready to come get He is busy. I go to prepare a place for you. Remember that, John chapter 14? And not only that, look at this. He ministers, he didn't say ministered, he ministers in the temple in, in heaven? Yeah. See, the people that wrote the Bible didn't just write what they wanted to. Moses was instructed to write down, he wrote Genesis, supposedly, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books. And God told him specifically how to build the earthly tabernacle, okay? It was a tent, had the holies of holies. But the reason God told him to make it this particular way because there was a heavenly holy of holies. So here's what he says. He ministers in the temple in heaven, the true place of worship built by the Lord, not by human hands. And since every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices Let me stop right here. Here's another point. Where's Jesus when you need Him? Guess where He is? He's in that temple for you and I right now. That's the reason He's not here. We're down here trying to tell other people about Jesus. We're down here still trying to populate the earth with our family. We're down here with our families and whatever and trying to overcome all the things the enemy are trying to do. One day it'll all be wrapped up. But right now, where is Jesus when you need Him? He's in the perfect spot. He's your high priest in heaven and He is working. He's just like uh, Eli was, except he's a whole lot better, telling Hannah, don't you worry about kids, got you covered. The Lord grant you your petition. He's just like when he was talking to David. You know, David was fearless in battle because he knew God would deliver him. David was fearless when he was faced with sickness and whatever. He knew God would heal him. And you should be the same way. So he's ministering in heaven, the true place. Okay, whatever. Verse 3, And every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Christ must make an offering too. The sacrifice he offers is far better than those offered by earthly priests. But even so, if he were here on earth, he wouldn't be permitted to be a priest. Because down here, the priests still follow the old uh, system of sacrifices. Now, he's just reminding us that the system changed. Otherwise, we're going to have to have a Passover lamb slain. You know, we've got to still have the Passover. We've got to still, when we blow it, we've got to go get a goat and kill it. We've got to lay hands on a goat and send it out in the wilderness, whatever. We don't have to do that anymore. Verse 5. Their work is connected with a mere earthly model of the real tabernacle in heaven. Aren't you glad heaven's a real place? I mean, the Bible doesn't act like, you know, wish your hope. No, the Bible's inferring plainly that when you die, when you pass out of here, we are going to be in heaven. To be absent from the Lord, I mean, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul wrote and he said, uh, you know, to depart and be with Christ is far better. What is it? Well, there's a tabernacle in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God warned him to follow exactly the pattern of the heavenly tabernacle as shown to him on Mount Sinai. Remember, Moses was gone for about a month. He was up on top of that mountain. The people thought, Moses is dead. I don't know where he is. He was up there with God. These are just interesting things that make me think, and you know what, men did not write this book. Well, they wrote it down, but they got it from God. I never would Have come up with this but this is real Moses was specifically and God warned him to create this earthly tent with the Holy of Holies whatever the the Ark of the Covenant remember the Ark of the Covenant is going to have and it's going to tell us in a minute it's going to have the rod that Aaron had that budded it was supposed to be dead it's like a stick on the ground and all of a sudden it starts having flowers it's not even planted it's got some manna in there and it had the two tablets of the Ten Commandments Anyway, here we go, verse 6. But Christ as a minister in heaven has been rewarded with a far more important work than those who serve under the old laws because of the new agreement that he passes on to us from God contains far more wonderful promises. Do you see that? It didn't say promise, but promises. Well, I thought it was just going to heaven. No, it's more than just going to heaven. I thought he just forgave us of our sins. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. Remember we read in, it was uh, the previous chapter, that Melchizedek, when Abraham came to Melchizedek and gave him the tithe, he brought the tithe, it said that Melchizedek blessed him. It didn't say Melchizedek, said, well, you know what, thank you, because our church was sure going under if you didn't help me out. (laughs) Melchizedek didn't need Abraham's help. And I don't need anybody's help. This church, my church here, has been sustained by Jesus. It is. And uh, in your life, if you'll notice, Jesus will sustain you too. That's the wonderful thing about it. We don't have to go behind the scenes and, you know what? Oh, Jesus just can't help me out anymore. I'm really broke. I don't have any help. That'll never happen, not unless you wind yourself silly. But don't. God will help you. David put it this way. He said, I've been old and I have been young and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. That's what David said. I've never seen them out there with a cardboard sign saying, I'm broke and I love Jesus. You know, I mean, it, it, now you've probably seen somebody do that, but if you'll check them out, praise the Lord, they're not praying. If you'll pray, God will help you. So, let's keep going here. Verse 7 The old agreement didn't even work. What? The old agreement didn't even work. Well, God knew that. It was just a temporary system until Jesus got here. If it had, there would have been no need for another one to replace it. Verse 8, but God himself found fault with the old one. Now notice it didn't say God himself found fault with, you know, with with Fred or with Richard or Aaron or any of us in this room. No, he found fault with the system. For he said, the day will come when I will make a new agreement with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. And that means you too. I need my mouse to settle down here. Here we go. All right. This new agreement will not be like the old one. I gave to their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, it's how important the Israelites are we can get we, we understand, oh yeah, they came out from under Pharaoh. This is not hard to follow, and these things actually happened. They did not keep their part in that agreement, so I had to cancel it. Well, God knew they weren 't going to be able to keep that, that anyway. People are still going to make mistakes, verse ten, but this is the new agreement I will make with the people of Israel, says the Lord. I will write my laws in their minds so that they will know what I want them to do without my even telling them. And these laws will be in their hearts so that they will want to obey them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wow. See what's happening. This is a new heart. This is the new birth. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus that night. He said, uh, marvel not, I say unto you, that you must be born again. Wow. And when he said that verse, that's where he said also in a few verses later, John 3.16, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What did you do? Did you earn that? No. God wrote His laws in your mind and in your heart. Notice what He says in verse 11. This is all God's responsibility. And no one will need to speak to his friend or neighbor or brother and saying, you too should know the Lord. I don't have to tell Phil, you know, you need to know the Lord. He's going to know him, praise the Lord. You know, just like Henry, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Notice this. You too should know the Lord because uh, everyone great and small will know me already. Wow. Verse 12. I will be, what is this? Did he say I'll be strict? I will be strict. Oh, yes. I'm going to be so strict that, boy, if they ever make a mistake now, they are really toast. No, he says I will be merciful to them in their wrongdoings. Wow. And I will remember their sins no more. Well, you can scratch your head and you think, well, you know what? I think that means before I meet before I met Jesus. So in other words from today on, I better be on my <laughs> better be on my best behavior because if I bl- No, are you kidding me? <laughs> Mercy. We've already studied that even the priest made mistakes. Okay. And the people of course. And then we remember we jumped ahead to chapter 12 and he said, hey, by the way, lay aside the sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. And he says, look, you've not resisted the blood striving against sin. Indicating that there is a struggle trying to stop sin. And don't worry if you get overcome by it. Don't you have a high priest? He's so busy up there. And I'm telling you, our Heavenly Father is laughing over you. He's having fun up there. He's not worried about your sins. Jesus is your high priest. They're going, well, there goes Richard again. I got him covered. The cross. And then they'll go, well, there goes Richard again. He forgot the cross. He's he's thinking that I don't love him right now. Hang on. We've got to get down there. We've got to go to plan A again. What's plan A? Send all these angels and make all these signs and let Richard know. You know that I forgave him. For some reason, Richard's acting like he hasn't remembered that I forgave him. Now, since I mentioned that, I'm going to jump, just a moment, to 2 Peter. And that's what Mr. Peter said. Look what he said right here. Let me switch back over to the King James just a moment. Uh, Watch this. And this has everything to do with, you know, you're not reading your Bible. Watch this. Uh, Well, first off, I want to look up here at... uh, Oh, uh, look at this. Uh, yeah, look at verse 4. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, by, by, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So in other words, as you read your Bible, you take on not just God's character. That's ridiculous. We need more than God's character. I need God's miracles. Now, but watch this. But <laughs> He says in verse 8, If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you are neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. Now, that would be the Bible, wouldn't it? You're going to be producing these things. Now look at verse 9. But he that lacks these things is blind. Now what do we lack? The promises. He didn't say you're just just not a good person. No. You're lacking knowing what the Bible says. Now watch this. He cannot see afar off. And look at this. And hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. That's the reason God had to go into plan A for Richard today. Because Richard's sitting here whining thinking that God doesn't forgive him. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Richard's spinning his wheels, and all of a sudden, I'm reminded, wait a minute, I just saw a cross. Maybe you looked up into the sky, and you saw two jet trails, two jet streams cross, and it reminded you, you know what, I couldn't have died for myself, Jesus died for me. You know, what He die for? For my sins. He didn't die to prove that, you know what, you better quit sinning. No, He died because of my sins. Hey, I get it, Lord. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to quit acting like you're mad at me. You're not mad at me. You took all the wrath and poured it out on Jesus and not on me. That's right. He took all that wrath. You read it for, for yourself. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. But I want to sit there and act like I need to be bruised myself. That's so ridiculous. I cannot be doing that. Jesus took all that punishment for me. So now back to the eighth chapter. Here we go of of, uh, Hebrews. Ah, let's see. So he says in verse 12, I will be merciful to their wrongdoings and I will remember their sins no more. God speaks of these these new promises, of this new agreement as taking place of the old one. For the old one is out of date and now has been put aside. Look at this forever. Well, so what should I do? Well, I'm going to close with the 23rd Psalm. This is what you should do. See, David knew the mercy of God. He kept telling us in the Psalms over and over again. He would say, thy loving kindness is better than life. He would say, thy mercy endures forever. Oh, he never once felt like that God would not help him even when he blew it. 23rd Psalm. This is a living Bible, but it's it's very close to what you're used to in the King James. Because the Lord is my shepherd, look at this. I have everything I need. (laughs) Isn't that great? I mean, I do. I can rest at night. I got everything I need. Now, some people say, yeah, well, He just just gives you what you need. He doesn't give you what you want, but He'll give you. Oh, come on. Come on, come on. Psalm 112 says, Wealth and riches shall be in His house. God is going to open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on you. There's not enough room to receive it all. That's in Malachi. Right before we get to Matthew, you can read that for yourself. Now, uh, the 23rd Psalm, verse 2. He lets me... Now, let, let's just look. Remember, the 23rd Psalm only goes to verse 6. Let's look for the bad stuff. I mean, because you've got to take a little rain with some sunshine. Well, oh, let's just see. We've already established, and all of us know this from start to finish, the Lord's my shepherd. How much of the rest of this do we know? He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me beside the quiet stream. Now, the King James says... Uh, He leads me, uh, let's see, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So it says, He lets me rest in green meadow, meadow, whatever, in the meadow grass, and leads me beside quiet streams. So why am I today sitting here thinking, you know what, i got some rough waters ahead of me. Ain't no rough waters. Remember, Peter was on rough water one time. Jesus is walking on rough water. And Peter says, you know, if that's you, Lord, I can do it too. That's the way you should interpret that. And the Lord says, well, come on. And Peter is walking on that rough water. I mean, it wasn't quiet and calm. Mm-mm. Anyway, back to Psalm 23. He gives me, look at this, new strength. Wow. He renews my strength like the eagle. Remember that? I'll mount up with wings as eagles, Isaiah. Remember that, 40? He helps me do what honors Him the most. Wow. Wow. Verse 4, even when walking through the the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me. Look at this, guarding, guiding all the way. That's the reason David wrote over and over and over again. He said, said, the Lord's on my side, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27. Look at verse 5. Now, this is the word, remember that's, Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they cover me. Now that rod is not to beat you up with. It's to beat the wolves away with. Now look at verse 5. You provide delicious food for me. I love this. In the presence of my enemies. Let's replace enemies here with problems because that would be the same thing. He's got delicious food for you. (laughs) While you look up and see all your problems out there. Praise God. Is it that difficult to worship God, knowing he does this for you? No. This is the problem. The enemy, the devil, wants us to run from this table. And we have a table spread for us all the time. Anyway, you have welcomed me as your guest. Who does David think he is? Now, before I read that last verse, I want to show you that David made some mistakes. And if you know anything about David, he made some big blunders. Look at this. Psalm 143. He's in trouble. He's like screaming, Hey God, hear my prayer. Answer me because of your faithfulness to your promises. Oh, and by the way, don't bring me to trial. For as compared to you, no one is perfect. Boy, David was quick to go, We don't have time right now to deal with my sins. Okay? I am in trouble. They're shooting arrows. I just missed one. But God, listen, help me get out of this problem. And i tell you what, he did he went right to it. Verse 3, My enemies chased me and caught me. They knocked me to the ground. They forced me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. Well, now hold on, David. We need to deal with this sin first. No, we don't. He has a high priest. i am telling you, the high priest is in high gear. He has already said, "He Listen, David's sins are covered with. Let's get angels down there. Let's get him rescued. And that's what God is doing for you. Praise the Lord. He is. Now back to the 23rd, we'll wrap this up here. One, one more verse in the 23rd and we're done anyway. Watch this. Look at this. You provide delicious food for me in the, in the presence of my enemies. I don't care what the devil's doing. It's kind of like America. I mean, really, think about it. What do you mean? Our military, Now I know some people are trying to whack it down, but nobody wants to tangle with America right now. They don't. I mean in World War II when they tangled with America, they just what? What's the phrase we've heard over history? You know, they just woke up the sleeping giant. Oh no, and they took down Pearl Harbor. Uh Uh-oh, now you done it. You've blown it now. And we got on the ball and did some things. Anyway, you provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me. Look at this. As your guest. Now I wouldn't want to say Jesus is that friendly with me. Well, you're not reading your Bible. Jesus was the friend of sinners. Tax, collector, tax collectors and the scum of the earth. And the religious people were mad at Jesus because He hung out with those types. Now look at this last phrase right here. Blessings overflow. Verse 6, last verse. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me. How, now notice this. Unfailing kindness, that's at mercy. Shall be with me all of my life. King James says and uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I don't care what your worst day is, your worst nightmare of a day, you still have goodness and mercy following you. Just look for it. Put your hands on your hip and go, okay, God, (laughs) there's goodness and mercy here somewhere. I'm not, that's the valley of the shadow of death if I ever saw it. But when I go through it, I'm not going to get burned. I mean, I'm going to be all right. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all the days of my life. And afterwards, you're kidding me. I'm not sure if God will take me to heaven. Are you kidding? The 23rd Psalm listen. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home. Hallelujah. I can sleep at night. Now, the only reason you can't sleep is because you're not reading the Word of God. But thank God we are. We know better. We can relax. We're going to be all right. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You. By Your stripes, we're healed. If we're not feeling good in our bodies, You'll help us. Yes, like David said, Lord... I don't want to die. I want to live. Make me live, Lord. So, Lord, help us. Lord, same thing's true financially. You'll help us out if we're hurting financially. And a lot of times we are. So, Lord, we just thank you that you supply all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Father, also, if there's any other problem that might be just bothering us, we cannot even think straight because we got this problem. Lord, get us out of that trouble, whatever it is. And I didn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others the miracle, what happened, how Jesus got us out of trouble. We just thank you for it. For it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, okay. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah.